0: Loyola University Chicago School of Law and WLUW, this is The Podvocate. We are law students exploring the vanguard of the legal world with experts from our backyard and beyond. Subscribe to The Podvocate wherever you get your podcasts and join us every Saturday evening at 6 p.m. on WLUW 88.7 Chicago. For more information about this episode and our guests, please visit our website at thepodvocate.com and check out our social media pages. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in and welcome to my second episode as an associate editor of The Podvocate. I'm your host, Nneka Ugu, and today we're delving into the world of holistic criminal defense, law teaching, and law learning. My guest this week is Professor Maria Huillo who teaches criminal law, mass incarceration, and juvenile justice here. This semester, she is also teaching a brand new course with a unique structure. Welcome to Writing Wrongs, a seminar and pop-up clinic focused on learning about the causes of systemic mistakes or wrongs that lead to wrongful convictions and that lead to injustice. More broadly, this course is designed to ask us to consider how the legal system deals with mistakes with negligence with wrongs this seminar has two components traditional seminar readings and discussions and hands-on learning professor willow has been thinking about this hybrid model for a while now before we dive into discussion of the course let's revisit her years learning how to be a lawyer and explore how these experiences informed her pivot to teaching the law and her design of this course. Please note, all opinions expressed on the pod are solely those of the individual and do not express the views or opinions of guests, employers, or Loyola University, Chicago. Hi, Professor Huillo. Thank you for joining me today on the Podvocate.
1: Hi, Neka, thank you for having me.
0: So I wanted to just start off, if you could, tell the listeners a little bit about your decision to pursue law school and a career in criminal defense.
1: Yes, well, thank you. Um, law school, I, I was, I, I've always been very interested in um, reading and writing and interested in general uh, with sort of this pursuit of um, action through the law, or the law as a very real thing. I don't know that I had a fully formed idea before I began law school. Um, I I had at that point um, not studied sort of the typical undergraduate majors, uh, but had spent a semester um, taking a course and then volunteering in the some of the Michigan prisons doing creative writing work with uh, people who were incarcerated, and so I became interested in learning about that and learning about First Amendment law, um, and I ended up at law school um, and have been on that path ever since um, and have really enjoyed it. Now, the second part of your question has to do with uh, the career choices I've made and particularly um, the working as a public defender. Um, when I graduated, or shortly after I graduated for a year, I did something else. I clerked and then I went to work as a public defender. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure I could say I was one of those people that knew from the beginning that I was going to go um, work as a public defender. Indeed, I, I think I can say the opposite. I did not know. I had a number of different interests um, and took a number of different courses. Um, and that I always encourage students to do the same. I took courses in tax law and employment law and um, all sorts of different areas of the law, uh, first amendment law and loved it all. And I, in my summers worked in a variety of places, sometimes splitting the summer so that I could really understand what the work was the day to day. Some of the work was at large law firms and I enjoyed it. Um, it seemed like good training. Now I was a summer associate, so. Um, Yes, slightly different. Um, and some of the work was in uh, organizations, for instance, in the South, like the Louisiana Capital Assistance uh, Center. Um, and that organization worked with folks on death row. Um, I worked as a public defender for a few weeks. So I did a number of different things. I worked um, in the appellate section of a lar- large law firm. Um, and in the end, I guess by the time my third year came along, I knew that I would be clerking, but I was most interested in representing people um, and representing people who were charged with crime um, and sort of pursuing uh, advocacy on their behalf. I thought that for me at least, the place where the law and law in action and um, my intellectual interests was really in the representation of people as they faced um, the government. And as we sort of put the government to its task, um, the constitutional uh, requirement of proving um, its case beyond a reasonable doubt if it intended to take away liberty. so it met, for me, what I was looking for, uh, this collaboration uh, with others who were really engaged and invested in this. I thought of it very much um, in the same way one might approach civil rights work or litigation. I thought that this was in a in sort of an imperative moment as more and more people were being locked up for longer and longer. Um, and I really sort of liked... Um, the work itself, and meeting with people, and getting to know their families, and understanding sort of the root causes as well as um, how and when to challenge the evidence. So that's a long answer to your question.
0: No, that's a great answer. And as someone who is, you know, I'm in my second year of law school. I'm still, still figuring out exactly what I want to do. And so I, I do think there's really important advice embedded in that answer, which is, you know, try a multitude of things. And it sounds like in some ways you were able to keep notice and be aware of what were the things that were most compelling and interesting to you in the variety of settings that you, you worked at. And when you talked about that advocacy and families and really just working with a lot of different stakeholders, it sounds like in your, when you were working in DC, can you talk a little bit about your time in DC and uh you've already talked on it talked about it a little bit but I'd love to just hear a little bit more about the time you spent there and the work you did.
1: Sure absolutely um I I consider it sort of my formative years um of lawyering, and also very much still part of how I I identify um I uh went to Washington, D.C. Uh, to work at the Public Defender Service, this institution that, you know, was was meant to be a model for other public defenders across the country. It was an institution that was and is federally funded um, and took very seriously this notion, like, like other great public defenders, that we um, we take our ethical obligations seriously. We will zealously advocate on behalf of our clients. And we are uh, lawyers representing our clients' interests, not what we perceive to be our, their be- in their best interests, but very much um, a representation of the client and the client's interests. Now, when I went to Washington, D.C., I was lucky to be part of this wonderful class of lawyers, folks I still keep in touch with. These are some of my closest friends, um, and we were mostly uh, recently graduated. Many of us had either done some clerkships or done a little bit of other work, and there we were, and we came from all over the country, from all walks of life, um, and we began by engaging in this mandatory training, something that is is quite a privilege, because most offices simply cannot do this. But for um, almost three months, I, I think it was, I, now I can't remember if it was 12 weeks or 10 weeks, but for a long time, we were not given a single case. Our only job was to be trained, which is really important when you think about it. We were going to be representing humans facing a loss of liberty. And most of the time you walk out of law school, and you don't get this kind of training, right? And so, for that period of time, we had a dedicated training director. We heard from experts all around the country and lawyers, um, and practice things like um, making evidence objections and openings, and uh, what are the legal issues you should be aware of, and how to make sure that you preserve your client's rights, and what does it mean to have a client and to play the role of advisor and counselor? Incredibly important things. Some of which you get from um, clinics, perhaps, or um, regular training in law school. But this, this was dedicated. Um, dedicated training really centered around our obligations, our duties, our responsibilities. Um, so that, that period of time um, really sort of cemented for me, at least, um, how important the work was um, and how important it was to work with a group of people. And from there um, at PDS, uh, we began the first year by representing juveniles. So children who were, or children or young teenagers mainly who were um, charged with juvenile offenses in the juvenile system. So not children charged as adults, children charged with juvenile offenses in the juvenile system, we also um, had to investigate our own cases. And this was really important because we we learned what it was to learn about a case from the ground up, to really have to go out as part of your duties to where they where the thing happened and to talk with all the witnesses and to learn about a case in order to better represent our clients. And so we were everywhere in Washington, D.C., um, and we were going to where the children were detained, the essentially the, the juvie jail and then the juvie prison at that time. It was um, this place that was out in Maryland. Um, and meeting with kids and their families and really trying to understand what it was to say we're representing our clients' interests when our clients were sometimes you know I had ten year old clients, I had thirteen year old clients, I had twelve year old clients, um, it really forced us sort of to confront the theory and the practice um, in this environment that was fairly stressful for a new lawyer um, with this kind of responsibility. But that was the first year um, of the work, and we relied on our our colleagues, our partners. We had incredible supervisors. Um, this is a, a an office that has access to experts um, and appellate division. So we were I was so lucky um, to have that kind of training, and also so lucky to have the opportunity, the time um, to really meet and develop relationships with the clients. That was sort of the drive, the driving force behind the work. And behind that um, representation of the client's interests. So, I spent a year there, and then they you move up into the f- uh, felonies. Um, after that, um, the people on the other side are the Department of Justice attorneys, um, the U.S. Attorney's Office. Although we're prosecuting D.C. crimes, and initially you start with crimes like distribution of drugs, um, they carry some time, but they don't carry sort of the excessive sentences, um, and robberies and burglaries, et cetera. Um, and then you you spend some time with felonies, you have an incredible team of social workers, and this was true with the juveniles too. So you're really part of this holistic team, social workers, you, you have um, intern investigators, you have your colleagues, you have your supervisor, um, you continue your weekly training, and so the the time there um, both taught me what it meant to be a lawyer in general, but also taught me what it meant to to work on behalf of individuals um, for whom many times you know the, the system kept failing, whether it was the educational system or many of our clients were also, duly involved in the neglect system, um, the medical system, the the public health system, all of these failures, environmental um, disasters, all of these failures uh, shaped the paths of many of my clients. Um, And so working on their behalf uh, took this relationship building and also um, it took some time to sort of think about systemic failure and what that meant in my role in the system. So it was just this, I, I, I had these wonderful colleagues and, you know, I keep in touch with some of my clients and it was a busy and stressful and exciting and um, important time um, all the way through. I think I was there for about eight years. I, I can't, I'd have to sort of think about it more closely, but I was there. I, I went to felony. I represented, by the time I left, I was representing people charged with very serious crimes, so murders and serious sex offenses and conspiracies. Um, so that was the, that, that was sort of the background, and I was a supervisor at that time and also working in the forensic division of the Public Defender Service. Um, really formative I, I still very much think of myself in many ways as a public defender. It's an identity that you don't really shed. It, it forms and informs your views.
0: Definitely. I, um, I think, I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I grew up in the DC area. So in right outside Virginia, or right outside DC and Northern Virginia is where I grew up. So I, I um, my sister worked for the, worked for PDS, as an intern and staff investigator for a little bit. So I definitely, yeah, I hear great things about PDS. And I think what you just said about identifying as a public defender and, and how that shapes your worldview is something that I'm I'm familiar with, not personally, but it it is really a unique and formative experience. I'm really interested in how you mentioned that you were doing your own investigating. Mm-hmm. Um how that caused you to see things a little bit differently?
1: Great, great question. And, and so, yes, I, I think you told me about your sister. Um, I, I don't think I recall you telling me that you were, you'd were you grown up right outside of uh, DC um, from Virginia. Um, there are all these wonderful public, you know, there are some really great public defenders offices all around the country and even divisions within offices. Um, all around the country and they all do things in in slightly different ways or in different ways and that makes a lot of sense because um the the types of cases differ or the number of cases differ or where the courthouses are located differ etc um so dc i think and i'm biased is among them for sure um and then there are you know offices in new orleans and offices in the bronx and um you know the um just other offices um cook county has some great public defenders etc so um i'm not familiar with all of them but i know that there are all these good offices and they all do things differently um dc definitely has an investigative division they're incredible investigators um professional um thoughtful um i mean i, I could not have done my work without um i say all the time without the work of um our investigators and our social work team, it just wouldn't have been possible. Um, the work of a lawyer, at least in, in that uh, kind of uh, lawyering, requires a team of sorts. Um, when I first started, uh, we had, I think, later on access to like intern investigators and we had um, a sort of an investigator who oversaw everything and we could reach out to them and ask them for help, and we did. But you you were initially required to work with your colleagues. You never did investigations on your own, but to work with your colleagues, to go out with your colleagues, um, to talk with witnesses or to go see the scene, etc. And part of that was to help build an ethos around um, the notion that every part of a case is really important. And it, it, you can be an incredible um, cross-examiner, but if you haven't actually gone to the scene where something happened, or um, try to walk around the neighborhood, or or try to meet with the witness, um, it just won't come out. Like you, you just if you can't see it and you haven't the photos themselves sitting behind the desk won't get you there. And I think that's the ethos that they wanted to build: is you you have to get to know your client, we're also getting to know where um, your client is from. Um, What happened, how it happened, et cetera. It also helped us build and connect with our colleagues, this class of people. Um, So, at least in the first few months, we were going out there regularly investigating not just our cases, but our colleagues' cases. Um, And what that, and to this day, I mean, I no longer practice, but to this day, um, even as a clinical professor over at Northwestern, we, it was. It's really important to go out to talk to people, um, and you learn skills that you cannot learn otherwise. How to, you know, how to talk to people, how to develop information, um, what everyone's sort of interests are. Oftentimes, um, you know, some of the hardest conversations, talking with victims and survivors, were also some of the most critically important, particularly when it came to advising clients. I mean, um, representing our clients meant that we had to be honest about what we'd seen and heard, and it helped to have actually seen and heard it. So that's to me um, why it was important to sort of grow up as a lawyer learning um, to, to, to investigate as well as sort of do the law in court.
0: So after your time in DC, you decided to enter academia. Could you speak a little bit about this decision and why you decided to make that pivot?
1: Um, yes. Thank you for the question. And I don't, again, um, I'm not sure it was a sort of a fully formed decision is what I would say. We left Washington DC and moved to Chicago. Um, and I had a very young family then. Um, and I absolutely loved the work of being a lawyer in the courthouse and, um, and, and representing, people. Um, I also knew that um, I, I couldn't devote the kind of time I needed. I, I, need, I felt I needed to devote to it at that point. Um, but also that I, it was important to sort of develop other skills. And I loved supervising um, lawyers coming in. I, I absolutely love that work. I love learning from supervisors. I love learning from lawyers. Uh, who were who had just started the work they saw things in ways that I you know sometimes had a hard time seeing because I'd been doing it for a little while Um, so that part that the teaching I loved law school I mean it it sounds um, a little bit strange but I did I loved I actually loved law school so I thought um, I would begin to look for something that could merge all those interests. Um, and there are a lot of different ways to do that. Academia is not the only way, obviously. Uh, but I was lucky enough to, um, a a good friend of mine, um, put me in touch with, um, folks at Northwestern, particularly, um, Tom Garrity. And I was really lucky, uh, to sort of meet, um, people like that. Tom Garrity was, you know, had built up this clinic program was running this clinic. I met with him um, and um, other people and applied for this position. And I feel and felt so lucky to have been, um, you know, to, to have had a spot there um, to work closely with Tom to see a different justice system or a different legal system um, and how it operated. Cook County is the Maybe the largest, the second largest single site jail in the country, um, the largest or second largest courthouse in the country for criminal cases. Um, and I really was both excited and nervous about trying to take the skills that I had learned and earned through that time at PDS um, and apply them to a slightly different set of uh, work. Um, And and that meant not just supervising, but also teaching um, and working with students closely in a clinical setting and working with young people again in the juvenile courthouse in Cook County and in the Cook County felony courthouse um, and, you know, meeting with state's attorneys and doing all all the work um, that is involved in that kind of representation, but also figuring out what is important pedagogically, um, and how it's important pedagogically um, for students to learn? And I again was really lucky because really it, i I got to work with Tom and, and investigators and students, and they really they they knew what they were doing. So I was just learning from them. It was really a period of growth for me and learning. Um, and I was there for many years, and I worked with folks in different clinics um, and it was great. Um, and I sort of expanded again, because I think that we all can keep learning. I really believe that. Um, and started to do um, work in the international setting, some rule of law work, some training of uh, lawyers, particularly in Ethiopia. And again, this was through Tom, um, and then did a little bit of work in Lebanon and Syria through a public health program um, run by Juliet Sorensen. And so I, I expanded beyond um, this work. um, And it really taught me a lot. Um, And so that's, that was where and how my interest in academia um, was formed. Uh, And I was just lucky to, to have these amazing people, incredible um, teachers and colleagues um, who taught me a lot. Um, And so that's, that was the beginning. And then after some years, um, I, I really enjoyed sort of pivoting again and working at, in the non-clinical setting at Loyola and teaching. I love, love, love teaching first-year students um, and upper-class students, um, doctrinal courses, and sort of these these more um, narrow, in these more narrow seminars where we really get to explore some of the doctrine. And at Loyola, I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, I um, I
0: yeah, I definitely feel like you you get to teach uh, a blend of
1: of courses. Would you speak to the courses that you teach here at Loyola? Sure. I so I, I teach a first year criminal law course, um, and this will be it's hard to believe, but this will be uh, my my first year teaching it. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry, first year, fourth year teaching it four it's four or five I think it's four um and I love it um I I love having the energy in the room especially now that we can actually be in the room together when I first started we pivoted you know within six weeks because of the pandemic um so we were online for that whole year and change um and uh, we did the best we could but this is it's great to have the energy of first years um and to think about criminal law from this doctrinal or theoretical perspective, but to also have practiced it um, helps me to understand where some of the differences are, um, but also sometimes I hope how to relay uh, that practice plus the theory um, to students. And then I I teach seminars, mostly I've been teaching um, seminars on mass incarceration and more recently, juvenile justice um, or the juvenile legal system. Um, the mass incarceration seminar was really born of my work from the beginning as a public defender and asking questions about the system and what it means when we say we incarcerate. We have this very high incarceration rate, and what are the causes of it, um, and how can we explore deeply? And I, I that seminar is a small seminar, and I. Um, I benefit so much from hearing students' perspectives on these wide uh, variety of readings. We look at readings from economists and from um, criminologists and policymakers and court decisions to try to really understand um, what's happened and why are, Why this criminal legal system has expanded in the ways it has. And then just as importantly, how can it be changed? What are the changes that are proposed? Do they make sense? Um, so. Those are the, the courses I've been teaching this year. I started teaching a new course this fall um, called Writing Wrongs. And, and you know about that because you're in the class.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's really interesting to hear. Criminal law was one of my favorite classes I took last year. Uh, I was in section two, so I didn't have you Professor Hulo, but I had Professor Russian. And I just think criminal law itself, I'm a former teacher, and I'm really interested in stories. and obviously, criminal law is it is about the theory, but you know each f- fundamental case, you know, is its own story as well that that gives us the doctrines that we have today. or um, it's also kind of like a history lesson in some ways of here's maybe how we used to see this, and here's how we see it now. So I really love love that class, and I think it's interesting to hear you talk about how having the practical experience you had allowed you to think a little bit differently about those theories. And I'm sure there's probably growth you've had and and lots of learning uh, along the way in terms of maybe how you first thought of these things as a law student versus now. So I think that's really cool to to hear you talk about the the continual learning. Um, So the full name of the course is reviewing and reviewing and writing wrongful convictions but I know that you like to call it writing wrongs is Mm -hmm. is there like yeah just tell me a little bit about that
1: no I mean that's a really great observation and I just want to take a moment to say um I I, yeah you know you made uh, some really great points first of all I I think um I've been so lucky and I think Loyola the students and everyone is so lucky we have such a great um Criminal law bench, so to speak, um, and actually great professors all around. Um, And so I've been really lucky to sort of reach out to Professor Russian, for instance, and ask him questions and and learn about uh, from him. There, there's um, so much depth uh, there, um, and I've I've loved that about uh, my time here so far. I also agree with you, Naka, and something I should have pointed out. I, I think one of the things I love best about teaching in this area, and it's it's true, I think all across the law, one of the things I like best about the law is that it it there are real people behind all of these cases, and there are real people behind all of the decisions and all of the orders. And sometimes we just don't focus. Like I forget to focus on the real people sometimes, and I try really hard to be sure that when we're learning about a case, we're really learning about the people, um, because that helps um, center the discussion. Um, and I think in part, the practice, um, you know, you're building the case from the ground up, eventually it will become an appellate opinion. And sometimes um, in some of the cases I tried, it went all the way up and, you know, but, but it began with a meeting in a jail cell, or if you're a prosecuting attorney. It begins with a meeting with the police officer or the victim. These are real people. Um, it doesn't just begin with words on a page. Um, and so, um, writing wrongs um, is something I've been thinking about for a long time now, for for several years. Um, and I and you're right that I I do tend to call it writing wrongs. That's I think originally what I really wanted to call it, but I wasn't sure that it would um, be clear. Um, so it's a bit of a longer title, title, reviewing and writing, um, writing within our, uh, wrongful convictions. But the idea behind it is that we're, we're talking about error here and, and wrong in the system. So I like to talk about writing those wrongs. Can, can lawyers, um, sort of police themselves and audit themselves and say, and audit one another and say, this system, or we lawyers, or we in law enforcement, um, got it wrong. Um, In our case, we're talking about wrongful convictions. um, And that includes folks who are innocent and convicted. um, But we also explore through our seminar um, people who, maybe it wasn't a wrongful conviction, but the way the conviction was secured included practices that, were, that are and were harmful and wrong. Um, and so we explore all of that in the seminar um, because I'm interested in this notion that, you know, whether you think about medical error and how they address wrongs or the airline industry and how they ensure that we can try to prevent errors when mistakes are made and why it's really important, the same has to be true in the legal um. In, in our legal industry, we have to be able to admit when error when we've made errors, not in the passive, but in the active, um, and sometimes those are intentional, and sometimes most of the times they're not I'm interested in that, in that notion that that we have to be able to address um, wrongs. And so this course explores that, explores error, explores causes of errors in the legal system, um, but also contains a component of, of very much reviewing um, cases with, with the Attorney General's office um, and in Minnesota, of all places, um, where a new review unit has been formed the conviction review unit. And we students um, all of us um, are reviewing a handful of cases to determine whether or not they should be further reviewed what additional information we might seek and whether there is a wrong in those cases in the sort of the big picture sense to be righted Um, so that's where that comes from this the i'm trying in this seminar to sort of blend um theory and not practice we don't represent anyone really uh but um the practical the concrete um so that that's that's the idea
0: definitely and i know that you just started to speak to kind of that blend of the theory component you know we come to class each week having done readings we have that seminar style discussion but you know we often sit in our uh law firms and uh, at the beginning of the semester, we had that time to to meet during class after discussion, but we also meet outside of class, um, which those groups really speak to that more practical component. I'm I, I love the hybrid model. Getting back to what we talked about earlier, how your practice informed the way you think about like criminal law theory, for example. I do think there's it's really exciting to have seminar readings that in our law firm groups we. bring up you know or we think about or um we reference and so i think we can learn a lot from from each half of the class i want to hear from you as the obviously a participant but you know you are the the professor of the class so you do have a unique vantage point would you speak to maybe some of the uh advantage advantages or disadvantages of this this hybrid model and i Um, know this is the first time you've taught it so There'll, you know, there'll. There's always time for learning and additional reflection. We're not done with this semester, but at least so far, what what have you maybe observed?
1: Well, I, I think a couple of things. One, um, I from from what I can observe, and I'm a bit of an outsider, right? I'm not in any of the groups, um, although I walk around and talk with all the groups and meet with folks. Uh, but but from what I have observed, a couple of um, things. I think has hap- have happened. One, this notion that we lawyers are working with one another um, was for me a really important part of the class uh, because oftentimes we do in fact work in teams or in groups. I talked a little bit earlier about how important it was to work with investigators and social workers and other colleagues um, in the cases be- because we-, we have to sort of check our instincts Brainstorm our ideas. um, And frankly, because it is often um, a better practice. And so I really wanted that to be part of the course. We, We don't deliberate on our own. These are tough questions that we're raising and we're coming from different perspectives. And that's critically important. So we're applying both what we're learning in the class when we talk about causes and reviewing actual cases where we can say, look, we've learned about this cause. Is this something that applies in the case? Having the group think about it means necessarily that different people will feel differently and apply um, sort of the readings, the learning, um, and then the evidence in the case um, in different ways. And that's really important, right, because we have to convince as lawyers, a judge, a um, if you're a prosecutor, defense lawyer, et cetera, you have to engage in negotiations and mediation. Um, you have to talk with clients and advise and counsel. So if we, we have to be able to do that in this collaborative setting, in a small group setting, um, and I have definitely noticed um, and have, you know, I, I sort of made it clear that groups would meet in class, but also outside of class for at least some portion of the time to do the work. Um, that that's a really critical component of the class um, sort of from a pedagogical perspective. And it's one that I that I I really like um, and groups who are randomly, folks in the groups who are randomly selected and all of that um, has been really important and people are taking it seriously and engaging with the material um, and with the content. Um, what else? I, I think because it's a hybrid model, you know, when we do our brainstorming, we I, I also wanted an opportunity for people to speak in public, to present. Um, and so that is, um, as you know, um, each group has to present and everyone has to be involved in the presentations about their case. And so we not only have an opportunity to speak in class, to participate in class uh, when it comes to the readings, and that's really important, but also to then speak to the class and to get ideas from the larger group about um, the theories and thoughts and constitutional issues um, that are present in the cases. And so there's notion of you know working together, learning from one another, really asking your colleagues to, to weigh in and to step up and to brainstorm with you to help um, problem solve, which is like the third piece of this, is this notion of problem solving. Can we help solve problems? And that's, I mean, again, maybe sounds cheesy, but we're, we're you know, you're, you're law students, yes. But I think law students actually can do a lot. Um, the way that, and I won't get into specifics, but you all are looking at the particular claimant's cases or thinking about the material differs in some ways than the way I do. And that's really important. Um, the fresh eyes on potential legal error is really important. Um, and so the question I had for myself is, can law students, um, working obviously with a, and we know this happens in clinical courses, but can can we do this hybrid model um, and do it effectively? And I really enjoyed watching that uh, piece of it. I, I think um, there's so much there um, that is being done and um, the work that will be done is work that is impactful, um, as I think, you know, all the, the great clinics are as well and all the great learning. So that's, I think that's basically another long answer to that question, but um, that's my reflection.
0: That's great. And I, I really do like how you touched on the collaboration element, because I really do think, I, I personally love collaborating and working with others. And I feel as though, you know, I'm a second year student and one being a one L, you know, it is a lot of the doctrinal courses and there is a lot of theory and a lot of things to learn. And collaboration would would make its way in some ways in my 1L curriculum. But I think for the most part it it was very individual, which, you know, I think, I think that's okay in some aspects, but I've really enjoyed that collaborative piece of this course. And I'm
1: so glad. I'm so glad.
0: Yeah. It's just, I, yeah, I just love, I just think we can learn so much from other people, but even as when I I taught here in Chicago, I taught high schoolers and I always felt like, yeah, I don't know. I, I learned from my students all the time too. So I, I, I really do think and students work really well with each other. Um, and, Obviously, we're not high schoolers, but you know we also like to talk and engage with our peers, and so it it seems right to get to do that, even as as law students. I'm wondering if so. Obviously, you know you teach a one L course, criminal law, and there is so much theory and and so much to to get through in in crim. So I think there is something to be said about this being difficult timing wise. But I'm wondering, you know, do you think that there's a role that a similar type of hybrid model could play or should play a larger role in 1L coursework specifically?
1: I think that's a really great question. Um, And I don't think I have sort of a fully formed answer. I'd want to process that a little bit more, but I, I, I think certainly there's a role that um, um, uh, this sort of hybrid model. There, there may be a place for it in the first year curriculum. Um, whether it looks exactly like this, I'm not sure. Only because you know I I capped my course at what we have thirty five students. Um, and my first year classes are typically around 74 um, and the the prep for this course from the professors standpoint is um, pretty extensive and so because and, and that's with 35 students because you know you as a professor are also reviewing um, these cases and and uh, you know ensuring that there is this you um, level of supervision, et cetera, and there's quite a bit of prep with the larger group, and um, you'd want to be sure to be able to, to have the capacity to handle something like that. Now, I can imagine, you know, folks who are well-versed and, and experts in the pedag- pedagogy of teaching um, would sort of figure out how to do that, but I definitely think, you know, with the with respect to the First question you pose, I think there's a space for it, and I think at least for me, and it's not for everybody. Um, I know I know that there 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 are ways in which we can think about how we initially train how our first year students to both be prepared for you know things like bar exam, um, for instance, um, or thinking critically, but also have them have, um, a bit of a stake in it through the concrete, um, aspect of it, um, and through the collaboration. And so it's definitely something to, something to think about. And it's something I want to think about, um, more closely after the semester is over. Um, it's really great to work at a place like Loyola where faculty have, um, this sort of the, the ability to think creatively and to really focus on, you know, how we can best teach and reach a, a number of different diverse learning styles. Um, so I want to spend some time thinking about it um, and reaching out to people who are experts in this. I am not an expert in this, um, but definitely want to learn more about it.
0: Definitely, yeah, I think it's so, it's so interesting. I spent some time, Professor Hulo, after the classroom, before law school, working at an education technology startup. Mostly, our clients were mostly high schools. A lot of the platform was about hands-on learning. Um, the platform was student-facing, but, it, you know, so students could practice on their own, but it was also a tool that teachers could make assignments with, and then administrators at a high level could see the data. So I always think it's really interesting to think about um, just, I don't know, different, I'm always interested in the way different people learn as well as what tools, whether it's an actual tool or just even like a learning tool, maybe it's a, a discussion or a like a group hmm. project, right? So thinking of tools, not just in a physical sense, but also like the pedagogical approach. And I, I, I think that the law is really exciting because it's so vast. And I think 1L year is, it makes sense that it's designed in the way that it is because, you know, we do have the bar coming and there is so much to learn. And like you, I didn't even think about the section thing with like having 80 students in a section, it's hard to kind of get at that that hybrid piece, but it's just something I've been reflecting on when I think about what I loved about 1L and what I like so much more about this year Yes, you know, it's that I have law school under my belt, but I really do think this year a lot of my personal learning styles are are more readily available to me in the classroom. Hmm. And I and so I'm I'm doing a lot of reflection as well, kind of on on what that looks like. So we can we can reflect individually and, and keep each other in the loop. But um, yeah, it's just something I'm really I you mentioned that you'll always identify as a public defender. I think I'll always kind of identify as a as a teacher.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you have so much to bring um, to this discussion, and to and your reflections and your background and your experience and expertise is really, really critical as we think about. And that's why I mean, for a lot of different reasons, I, I encourage you know students to to speak up and to really like, thoughtfully engage in the process of their own learning, right, with, um, recognizing that uh, we have to capture a, a diverse, um, student body with diverse learning styles and needs, but, but still, um, you know, you all come from all these different walks of life and have so much to teach all the rest of us, um, about how best to, um, center student voices and student learning in the classroom experience because that's what we're doing here in the end or trying to do here in the end so um i'm i've been really lucky to just get to know um you know students at, at this level that's what i like about the seminars as well um and to try to get to know some of my one years as well so it's just been um an interesting experience and an important one and I feel I have so much left to really learn and engage with um and you know feel lucky to have the chance to do this the opportunity to do this.
0: Thank you professor and I have one one final question for you it's it's kind of a two-part question. So what advice maybe do you have for one students interested in a career in criminal defense and then two what advice do you have for students that are interested in an academia and uh, either being a doctrinal professor or being a clinical professor after law school?
1: Yeah, and this is my shameless plug for all things clinics as well. Loyola has some incredible clinics um, and externship opportunities. So I, I'm always encouraging students to um, think about uh, taking a clinic um, and about other externship opportunities, but the professors in the clinical programs are just so great. And even if it doesn't seem to be in your area of interest, I, I'll sort of end in the way that I started our conversation, um, or that, that we began our conversation, and that is, I, I think, um, I think sometimes we don't necessarily know what we don't know. In other words, um, you know, maybe. I, I didn't really know much about tax law. I took it. It ended up being one of my very favorite classes in law school. Now, I'm not a tax lawyer. It is true. It did not sort of shape or change the trajectory of my career. Um, but I'll tell you that I I think that it it definitely made me think about bigger issues. Um, and same was true of employment law. And I, I practiced a little, not practiced, but In my summers, I worked with some employment lawyers at the large law firms, and I I loved what they were doing. I thought it was really interesting, actually. So, um, and same was true of the First Amendment stuff. So, I think my advice, whether it's for those students who might be interested in pursuing a career, and I've I've worked, um, as you know, now with the Attorney General's Office, um, sort of on both ends here, um, I, I think for students interested in that, I would... I highly recommend exploring it in your summers. It's such a great opportunity to try to explore um, the work itself and and the value of the work. And not just, you know, if you're interested in criminal defense work, maybe you want to try um, the Cook County Public Defender's Office and try to seek an internship, or maybe the Office of the State Appellate Defenders. And maybe it's appeals work um, where you want to get the training, or maybe... Um, look at the Lawndale Christian Legal Center, or maybe some, you know, work with a s- small private um, criminal defense law firm. Um, and if you're interested on the prosecution side, um, you know, the state's attorney o- office has some incredible uh, opportunities um, to to work with them. Um, so there are these avenues that I think are are good in the summer, but also can be part of an externship experience. Um, during the school year, and and not just here in Chicago, but if folks are willing to travel, I left um, where I was to go to D.C., right? Looking nationally um, at these places makes a lot of sense. And then I think exploring things you might not think you're interested in also makes some sense. Um, You know, a civil rights law firm or uh, work in the international arena for a little bit, all of that can help shape your career and I always plug clerkships because I think they're really important um, and a really great way to spend a year to further developing um, writing and researching skills which is always helpful as a lawyer and um, meeting new people um, so that clerking um, and um, you know I, I think helps if folks want to go into academia but Also, talking with all the professors, um, trying to write a note, um, working on a law journal, um, all of that sort of helps us understand whether that's a good fit, um, whether immediately after law school or down the road. Um, I think that's, and attending conferences and seminars and talks I mean, I think that's one of the things I loved best about law school as a law student and still love the opportunity to go listen to people um, and hear what they have to say about an area they've spent a lot of time working on. So I think those are, to the extent that it's advice, I'm not sure it is, but those are my thoughts on it, I guess.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Professor Willow, for coming on to the
1: Podvocate. Of course. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure.
0: That's all from us here at The Podvocate. Thanks again for joining us today. Our team wants to hear from you. If there's a topic you want the show to cover, please email us at thepodvocate at gmail.com. Visit our website at thepodvocate.com for more information on this episode and our guests. The Podvocate is produced by WLUW, the student-run independent radio station broadcasting from the School of Communications at Loyola University, Chicago. Our editors in chief are Christy Paredes and Marissa Polowitz. Our associate editors are Nako Ugu, Marcus McNeil, Andy Vandenbush, and Casey Callahan. Special thanks to Professor John Dane and Dean Steven Russian for providing the resources and support to make this show possible. From Loyola University Chicago School of Law, this has been The Podiquette.